We're back. It's <laughs> Thursday, and uh, we got a special, special guest for you. You guys know my name is Jason Main. Thank you for logging into the trading desk. I really appreciate it. Uh, we have a very special guest with us, someone that you may or may not recognize, a uh, very close coworker in front of mine, Miss? Elena. Elena Lackman, um, formerly A to Z. A to Z, if you guys, that's right. It's been quite you, a while old since we've guys. Um, been live, but happy to be back. I'm excited to be here with Jason. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I've wanted to have Elena on the show for a little while um, as a guest, and it just kind of lined up. Josh wasn't here. Elena uh, graciously, last minute, said, hey, you know what? I'll do it. So awesome. <laughs> it's been great. Um, all right. So very happy to have you. And the, for those of you that don't know, Elena does essentially what Josh and I do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. buy, sell, and trade watches. So um also one of the senior members of the team and uh knows exactly what she's doing very take charge uh, type of trader which can be appreciated for sure all right um so elena we roll uh, usually right off the intro into wrist shots you so do yours first i'm gonna do mine first because uh there's something Is this that the you first guys time you're introducing it yes. to the crowd okay you go first so we will uh zoom in on this little beauty right here you guys know i had to do it been talking about it for two years uh, the Finissima, Bulgari Octo, quite possibly the only Bulgari that's ever mattered in the history. I'm honestly jealous. I love that watch. I have wanted this watch for two years. Uh, so, if, all right. So we have this podcast that apparently is very popular in Canada as like the number one hobby podcast. Uh, that's what they keep telling me. I, I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> but um, so for those of you listening, uh, what I'm wearing is the all titanium Octo Finissimo uh sub seconds this one happens to be one of 200 pieces it's with the blue uh markers as opposed to the black and i do think that's i love this watch even in the black but when the blue one came in and i had the opportunity to grab it um i just i had to grab it so so far exactly what i thought it was going to be and super comfortable couldn't be happier with the purchase and uh this is going to see a ton Can of you show time. people how thin that watch is yeah absolutely so let's take it off because you know what the in-house manufacturer micro rotor the micro rotor on it's so cool definitely deserves some kind of close-up i will show you which is on the side of the case not that this is number one but on the side of the case you'll see it's one of 200 which is marked you can zoom in there it's just incredible how thin that is like you look at other uh, ultra thins and extra thins and you know nothing compares it's almost like a toy watch but then you look at the movement which is really cool that micro rotor and it's it's so it's yeah, this is a watch. this is a pretty serious in-house movement, all hand finished, um, just really really pretty. And if you put this under a loop, you can kind of lose yourself in it. So as well finished as as most of your super high-end watches, platinum rotor, um, one of two hundred pieces. Like I said, it's five millimeters thin. But what I love about this watch, and I have loved for a long time, um, is it's a thin watch that can kind of play the role of a dress watch, but it's a everyday wearable watch. It's super it's durable. Another thing that you don't ever hear anybody talk about, you see these channels that are cut into the back three right here, the back three lugs right here. Mm-hmm. There's two channels on each side, and that's so that when the buckle closes, it so rides super flat. And it's been a, you know, it's lived up to the hype. It's been awesome. I've been wearing it for a little less than a week, but, and then you guys can see that beautiful blue. So something different. Super comfortable, right? it's amazing you got to get one lightweight you got to try one um super thin i've sold a couple of them and people i have championed 
this watch. I think I may have sold 10 of these. It's... I don't know where they're going because you never see one in the wild. But everybody I've sold one to loves them. So. Bulgari making a comeback. There you go. That's Not their flagship. This is going to be the 15400 in 10 years. Yeah, it's um, a pretty cool watch. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. It's awesome to have that. Um, and so, you're wearing? Yeah. This morning I picked out my star shirt and I decided... Um, to pick out a longa to go with it. So it's an 1815 moon phase, uh, limited edition, 150 pieces, platinum, platinum tang buckle, um, kind of just like a magical, um, ethereal type of watch, um, a little under 36 millimeters. So it's awesome for a woman, although I think a man could wear it as well. They made it in a rose gold and then this platinum piece, um, 45 hour power reserve. I think the thing that I love the most about it is that it has this asymmetrical dial and it has the Big Dipper um, right around here and the way that they put the moon phase into it, it's just kind of natural and it really like kind of looks like the skyline um, and I don't know, I, I like it. I feel like it's um, a pretty cool, unique watch and for me with a little wrist, it's, it's a great fit. Yeah, it's a cool piece and yeah, it, it fits cool. your wrist really well. It's actually like, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit later. We have uh, a topic which touches on this, but I think that that sums up like a real watch for a woman. Definitely. Mechanical movement. It's a manual wind on it. Sub seconds, moon phase. Like it's, it's pretty complicated. You gotta love that. Like as a guy, I love to see that because it's, it's the, the, your woman who is a real watch collector, a real connoisseur, like taking, taking the watch world back, you know, instead of all these tiny little watches that are usually gifted to women because yeah, they're pretty quartz watches you know? with diamond bezels <laughs> so it's it's really really refreshing it's a cool piece yeah i think so too all right fantastic so we also have this thing top five right okay uh, so the trend of the show is you know you you've watched the show trading desk so these are the most clicked on uh watches of the week and we have a little graphic okay boom look at that top notch editing jj abrams <laughs> over here oh all wow. right okay so, uh, in usual fashion, uh, neither Elena or myself have seen these top fives yet. So, I begged him to let me see them beforehand, and he would not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's let's put a little sport in it. All right. So, uh, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Number five, you want to you want to read that off or? Sure. So we have Omega Seamaster three hundred meter James Bond. Um, so this, yeah, that's the Spectre edition. It is. Cool so NATO strap. Yeah. Awesome so. Piece. Uh, you know, listed on the website right now, it's 10950. It's the number five most clicked on piece this week. I think, um, you know, if I have to give you a reason as to why I believe it's number five, it's usually because the only pieces you see uh, are the regular Omega version. Mm -hmm. They're not the Spectre. So when we do get the Bond version, um, it generally get peaks a little bit of interest, I would say, and people, people click on it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Omega, um, well, you know, you look at the top five here, and three out of five pieces are Omega, which I think says a lot. In particular, I think Omega does a really fantastic job with their limited editions um, with regards to allocation and how many they put out in the world um, and the attention they get. I'm not surprised that a piece like this would be clicked on quite a bit. Yeah, I think uh, to your point, the, the three pieces being Omega only goes to show you that the Rolex market yep. is only going to hold so much water until people start looking for, you know, we've talked about that on the show before, start looking for other value propositions. Yeah. So, and Omega does some amazing value proposition stuff, um, so leading right into number four. So, number four is uh, the Omega Speedmaster Chronograph. Uh, this is listed for $39.50. So, um, giving away the traditional steel bracelet, this one's on the leather strap. 
Which I happen to really like. Yeah, I mean, so the watch, I think I think you have to own the watch on a bracelet and then get the strap secondarily. I don't know that I'd want to own a Speedmaster off of a bracelet. Um, but it does make sense. Uh, Speedmaster, easily the, the most iconic Omega mm-hmm. made, right? Uh, they make so many of them. There's all these limited editions. But if you want to talk about a piece that you can get for, you know, usually about three to $3,500 that's you can wear for a year, 18 months, and then sell it for and, and take a very nominal loss, then that's always my recommendation for the Speedmaster. In fact, I've done that. I've owned six Speedmasters, and there's this <laughs> Speedmaster curse that I have that did just never stick around. So, uh, yeah, moving on. Number three. Why, why don't you tell me why that Shocker. watch might be clicked on? We have a Paddock Nautilus 5711. Um, I mean, where do we even begin with this piece? The market is hotter than ever. Um, continues to go up with no end in sight. Um, super hard to come by new, which obviously has popped up the, the market on the second, secondary market on it. Um, I feel like the second we put them up, they sell. Sometimes they don't even make it to our website. So I'm actually kind of surprised that one made it even to our website to be clicked on because yeah, that doesn't yeah. seem to happen a lot. Um, but yeah, so guys, yeah, that's the start. <laughs> to Elena's point, that's the only steel sport model watch in the world. If it feels like it's the only one that's available, mm-hmm. so uh, people click on that watch like it's crazy because it's the watch right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it's on the website, it's going to get clicked on. Yeah, and I think people are fascinated by what's going on in the market. You know, I sat in a room today with um, Danny and and George Mayer and people that have been with the company and doing this for such a long time. Mike Mandros and everybody sat there with the same conversation that they've never seen anything like this happen. Um, nobody knows exactly where it's going, but it's it's fascinating to watch the market rise and you know even the market in global territories for example hong kong is it's like dealers are paying really strong for these pieces um so it will be interesting to see where it goes and and what's interesting is what's interesting is we're running into a point now where it's gonna it's gonna end up being this price range for so long that you're gonna have people you're gonna have kids that are growing up on this price range thinking that watch just cost that much money Mm -hmm. never never remembering the day when that retailed for what it did you know so i mean there's you know obviously uh, music right now is very influential with stainless steel paddocks. So a lot of these younger kids think that watch is a hundred thousand dollar watch. Yeah. So, but and anyhow. the funny thing is, it's like a, a time and date. Yeah, with you're the, not even talking about a complication there. Yeah, we've we've covered that before. It's a little <laughs> lacking, but I, uh, I've said before. I don't know what's your opinion. I like the Aquanaut better as well, as a whole. I don't know. Are you an Aquanaut or a Nautilus person? I feel like they, as similar as they are, I feel like they serve like two different, you know, purposes. Yeah, in my world, um, I happen to like the dial on the Aquanaut a little bit better. I feel like that kind of like tapestry, similar to AP's mm-hmm. dial, is a little bit more interesting. Um, again, I feel like they're for some reason I just they don't like fit the same. I guess mold for me. I've just always been drawn. I think the Aquanauts. Uh, more of a utility watch i think it's a more comfortable watch so it's kind of always gained my attention in that regard but is that because of the strap i don't know i think it's the case shape they're pretty i mean it's interesting when you look at them i actually the nautilus has the flanks on the case which i feel like it to me would bother me i don't know hands down i would argue that the aquanaut is a more comfortable watch but number two on this list pull it back up there you go uh the the speedmaster reduced which is also known as the one nobody cares about um you think so? I I despise that watch. But what about it? It's Why don't it's you like too it? tiny. It's I mean I guess so. It's it's a good like uh, so that watch 
gets exponential bumps when it's like dad uh, right now exactly so uh, that makes sense that it would be clicked on but like dads and grads because it's like small enough that it could be a graduation watch for a smaller kid or or your dad is you know wearing smaller watches i think that the reason that this would be number two to be completely honest is people think it's a regular size speedmaster for twenty four hundred dollars and they're clicking on it and then they realize oh it's the 39 millimeter never mind so I feel like it's an odd thing to judge a, a watch on its size. I guess that's what we do. To me, the thing I don't love about it is, like, I don't like the finishing of the bracelet so much. Um, you know, that brushed right. and high polish is not really my thing. But pop that onto a strap, and I feel like that's a really nice piece. And for, you know, some people, myself, so, for example, a 39 is a perfect size. So to your point, it's not just the, the size of the watch. I, although the size does dictate the secondary market, which for me as a trader... But 39 is pretty... 39's it, it's okay. okay. But uh, a Speedmaster, in my opinion, needs to be manual. Okay. So automatic Speedmasters, doesn't matter if it's the 44.25 millimeter. I don't like them. You know, unless you're going crazy with the full moon face and you're getting something crazy extra... But just a standard chronograph to me in a moon watch should be manual just for the the spirit and the history of what it is hmm. but to you know to your credit i guess if you're if you're comfortable with that size and you're cool with yeah. it being an automatic and it's cheaper hey i guess grab yeah. it there we go there's one in elena's future apparently she's gonna go <laughs> buy one right now. i actually do i remember years ago um omega speedmaster were just coming and we would like sell them for like don't quote me on it. I want to say like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, like, they were cheap back in the day. Yeah, they were so cheap. Um, so obviously, as Omega and the Speedmaster has strengthened, the reduced to strengthened as well. Um, I would see my. I could see myself wearing one. They also. Sure. So this one is not one of the newer iterations, but they did also just re-release a lot of the smaller size yeah. Speedmasters recently. There's some cool, like you know, the dials on some of them are really cool. Some cool colors, some cool variations. Yeah. Um, I could see myself wearing one for sure. Thirty nine is a good size for me, so. We'll, we'll size one. We'll get one ready for you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. And then number one, you knew it had to be. I mean, so I'm surprised there's not more Rolex on there. I'm also surprised honestly. that it's this piece. Yeah. So uh, two-tone 16613 with a uh, Surdy dial, which is cool. It's kind of cool in like a Wolf of Wall Street kind of way, like that vintage <laughs> FU money kind of way. But um, so the, those of you that don't know, though, this is the previous generation, not the current generation Submariner. It's the aluminum bezel, and it's got the Surdy dial with the uh, the little stones on it, which Wait, is different. On it? Sapphires and Sapphire. diamonds on the hour markers, yeah. 10450, you could totally see why this is clicked on, because one, it's a Submariner. Two, it's got gold on it, and it's under and it's 10 grand. So people are used to seeing like a, a 116613 and seeing a much higher price tag, so I could see why. You know what surprises me, though? That this was clicked on more than the 5711. I think it's the price point. I guess that's true. I mean, if you think about it, Rolex has always been more word of the mouth, more the watch of the people once success is achieved over Paddock. And I think I think that the fact that the 57... So the 5711 will be the, last, will be the first watch off that screen sold, hands that's down. That's true. But I think the Rolex is probably, like, the majority of the people, if you polled them and asked them what they were, 90% of the people know what the Rolex was. Yeah, and I guess you're right. It's a good so value. In terms of, and yeah, and you gotta, what we're looking it. at is just pure clicks. Yeah. So it makes sense. But yeah. anyways, top five. Actually, I think that might be the most in-depth discussion we've had on a top five <laughs> recently. Because we usually don't go, like, uh, super into and opinions on each watch. Uh, it's usually like bam, 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 Sorry, bam. Sorry, I threw you off your game. No, here. not at all. It was actually <laughs> delightful. All right. So 
you guys were asking for it. We haven't done one in a little while, so we brought back this or that. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, you know what it was? That awesome graphic was just, it was throwing us off our the game for a little while. The graphics are so good. Isn't it? Look at that. Top notch. These guys, man. Uh, yeah. It's only to the guys that are in the studio today, because if you're not here today, you sold out, um, my producer here, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not a lot. Welcome back on the studio. <laughs> um, dead to us. Yeah. Dead to us. Anyhow. So awesome graphics aside uh this or that is basically well you know what this or that is if you are watching this show and you don't know what this or that is yet or you're listening to the podcast and you don't know shame on you um <laughs> all right so the the main topic for this or that today was actually uh elena's idea uh as the guest uh, i deferred to her so our what we came together with was 10 to twenty thousand dollar everyday woman's watch so i will let you go first no, you go first. This I go your first. Show, you okay. Go. All right. Perfect. So my selection is actually the this to the this or that, and uh, that would be your two tone Daytona. So after you know, just after the El Primero, but so we're looking at uh, just about fifteen thousand dollars regularly, fourteen five on the secondary market for this piece. Um, so fits our price range perfectly. I uh, have gone on record on this show before talking about how I believe that this specific iteration, along with earlier generation Daytonas, have kind of transitioned into being much more of a woman's watch. We did get into a discussion um, earlier today when we were talking about this, and I'm we not did. sure I'm with you, but you tell me that you have a reason why. So, so I actually, so I wouldn't wear this watch for myself, but I do respect the watch quite a bit. And obviously, it, it's kind of hard not to respect a Daytona. Um, for where we are and where we've come from. But I, the reason I respect this watch as a woman's watch is about, I've been doing this for quite a while, so have you, but um, I would say about eight or nine years ago, uh, I started seeing a trend of women, you know, whatever you want to call it, your boyfriend's jeans or whatever, like women taking this watch from their significant other and starting to like really own this Daytona. Okay. Like maybe eight or nine years ago. Before this was like, on the precipice of like women wearing big watches. So this, to me, this is what sparked, at least from where, from my perspective, this is what sparked like women wearing larger watches. So the Daytona, you know, uh, for me was, I started seeing it everywhere and women were wearing, you know, the steel version, the El Primero, maybe they don't know it's an El Primero, but they just, they have it. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Shannon Beck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the two-tone specifically, and I feel like it works really well because I know a lot of women like to like uh, mix the gold, like in their jewelry. So two-tone watches uh, play really, really well with being able to be versatile. So that's why I picked this as an everyday watch. But I personally, I, I do think that the ceramic piece, the newer iteration is, is a little bit more masculine. But anything that's pre-ceramic, I feel like it's fair game for women. I feel like Rolex did a fantastic job with the beach collection trying to market, trying to pick up on that and market Daytona to a woman. You know, the beach collections had all those colored mother of pearls mm -hmm. and the straps. The two-tone, I think, is a better play. We talk all the time on the show about value proposition, about retention of, of investment, which you're not going to beat with, you know, Rolex is going to be through the roof. So if you're talking about, for me, picking up something you can wear every day that's durable, that will return its money, that you can enjoy and is pretty, you're also not talking about, you know, not to dig on your watch too much, but we're talking about a real woman, like a real watch with some balls that's automatic, chronograph, has some complication, and I, I feel like it's more substantial. And expected. Maybe it's expected, but at the end of the day, you're, 
I, I feel like, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but you're a woman <laughs> wearing a big boy watch. That's not expected. I don't care who you are. Like Maybe even we'll in today's day and age, big girl watch. It's, I think it's still stunning. Like you see a guy wearing that. It's my grandpa. You see a woman wearing that. It's like, damn, she knows what's well, going on. Well, that was going to be my point that I feel like, you know, when we brought up this topic in my mind, I was thinking about watches that are actually intended for women that are everyday watches. I think the... But why, why should we focus on the norm? Why should we, f- we no, go just, into you know, the avenue that people expect you to go into? Because I don't think it's a, a topic that comes up a lot. You know, Zoe and I aren't on air anymore. And so I think the woman's perspective is not always shown. So yeah, no, I pushed you to talk about it. And here we are. I think the Daytona is an awesome watch. I would wear a Daytona in two seconds. Um, the size is right. The, you know... Like you said, it's durable. It's a great everyday watch. It can be banged around. But it's a unisex watch. There's a lot of men out there that would wear a two-tone Daytona. I agree with you. I think it. I think to me personally, it lends itself more better to being a feminine watch. But I agree with what you're saying. My pick for this piece not only comes from my perspective and me seeing this become a very iconic woman's piece to wear throughout the years, but also the fact that I like that it's it's an unorthodox choice, and I, for one, wish that, like the watch you're wearing, I wish more companies did something like that in a woman's piece that had real horolog- you know, horological significance, mm-hmm. and they weren't just like quartz, diamond bezel, stainless steel pieces that are meant to be given away or make people buy them to get the good ones. Like, you know, there should be real options, but I that being that said- I think that is a perfect segue. I will let you piece. defend your piece in the that of this or that. So tell us what you got. So I had to go with an FP Journe Elegante, a 40 millimeter titanium piece. Um, you know, as a woman, I feel like this is like everything I'd want in a watch. Okay. Um, uh, you know. I love the green strap. It's my color. I definitely picked the, you know, green. Olive green is the new neutral. It's a not black, not gray, but it's definitely can be worn with quite a bit of stuff. Um, titanium, so lightweight. Um, I'm sure all of you guys are probably, you know, know about this watch and know about the mechanism that's in it, um, that it's an electromagnetical movement um, with a motion detector. So basically, um, when you take it off and you set it down for 30 minutes, it stops. And then when you pick it up, it, it resets back to the time, which is um, pretty awesome for a woman. You know, in the tradition of watchmaking, especially women's watches, they generally make quartz, which is great and good and whatever, but it, it's it's nothing spectacular when it comes to watchmaking. I think this is a, a pretty amazing kind of movement um, and something that nobody else is doing. So from like a watch geek standpoint and somebody that really loves watches, it combines, you know, fine watchmaking with something that's practical because the truth is, you know, I could be wearing gold jewelry one day and want to wear a gold watch. I could be wearing, um, you know, platinum stuff the next day and want to wear a silver or steel or white gold or something that matches that. So for me, it's, you know, a little bit of everything. And I like the fact that different straps, different metals, diamonds, no diamonds. Um, I don't know. I just think it's the coolest. I do like the Elegante. Obviously, I would wear the 48, not the 40, but I understand the choice for the size because it's going to fit your wrist better. I think it's a cool watch. I think it is a little bit of a safe play. Uh, I Says don't, the guy that chose the Daytona. I don't think... <laughs> well, so here's the thing. If it's an everyday watch, I don't think that's an everyday watch. Why? Because it's it's not as versatile. And I think that the... So the, the best part Titanium, about this watch... Titanium, rubber, and the movement. How is that how, not? So it's not... It's not. It's just not as versatile. It's, it's fixed. 
So unless you're going to change the straps or you're going to, I think the two-tone plays better. All right. So that's that's that. We have uh, we do, do people, have a poll. Is this what people vote on? Yeah. So uh, we do I have vote? a poll. You can vote. Uh, not. I think you can vote right there. I'm going to do it. All right. Josh usually. Uh, oh, I'm killing you. Are you? Thank you. We'll pull up the watch. Thank you. Number one winner. I'm gonna win this. I mean, it's kind of hard to go against Jorn, but I actually like that watch a lot in the 48. But I'd have a hard press time buying a quartz watch that costs that much money, to be honest. It's not just a quartz. It's watch, awesome. Though. It's rose gold movement. I get it. It's super cool. The He's best part about him that I just won that. No, no. I, listen. <laughs> so that's it's cool. I have no problem with that. Um, <laughs> the the coolest part about that watch, and if I owned it, it would simply be picking it up and watching the hands go crazy. That's the coolest part of owning that watch. But to do that, you got to let it sit for a long time. So that means you can't wear it. Thirty minutes. It's cool. I give thirty one minutes. I guess it's a cool watch. I think that for what it is, it's it's a lot to be asked price wise. You know, if it wasn't an FP Jorn. See, I It'd think be the hard. price point is pretty reasonable on it. I guess because you're used to $30,000 or $40,000 FP Jorns. But if you look at that, and you if that watch said Chanel on it, right, which it might as well be because where we're at I currently with this. But if that watch said Chanel on it and it was had the same movement in it, you'd be like, that's super cool. It's an awesome $6,000 watch, in my opinion. Not hating on the Elegante. I'd love to own I one one day. I, I totally don't but think I agree with I, that. I totally would skip right over the Elegante and get a Cenograph. And the loom on it is so cool. It is cool. Have I you looked you at their website? Yes. I was like looking, I was perusing it earlier, and like the way they display the loom is so cool. Yeah. They have a good website. They have a beautiful website. A really, really nice website. Shout out to Rolex who ruined their website with that latest update. I haven't been Do on that recently. Do not like the new Rolex website. It, was, it went from the best website in the industry to like lackluster. Once they Paddock added the configuration website. thing, the Rolex website got... It got a little weird. Yeah. The Paddock website's fantastic. And if you ever need to set any paddock, you can go to their website. It's amazing. Anyhow, separate <laughs> topic. So Elena is currently winning this or that, although the voting stays open uh, basically forever. So in 2025, I'll be beating you. There's but. zero chance you're ever going to win on this game. All right. No problem. Zero. She's in fact, queuing, I keep she's, seeing it. She's queuing up they for... They gave me access to this so I can watch it. And yeah, yeah. I see it's it. Basically, I see it coming in. Just so you know, anybody that's ever watching this has the same access that she has. So it's not some secret okay, special... Okay, well, it's special for me, I, all yeah. right. <laughs> well, we, we told you it was special to get you on the show. but All right. So it sounds like to me like she's gloating a little bit, which is basically <laughs> a challenge for the next time she comes on. So hopefully there's another next time. But anyhow, so... What did we do? We did intros, we did wrist shots, we did top five with a great conversation. We did this or that, which we brought back for you guys, all with cool graphics. Even that was though fun. I like that. our producer uh, decided, I guess he quit right before the show. <laughs> so um, this is, yeah, I, you didn't see, we just hit record and ran back behind the camera. Um, all right, so we have a little bit of a conversation, which actually just kind of stemmed very naturally from us sitting in, the, in a... Uh, we had this little glass room in the office called the fishbowl, um, which I don't know if I've ever sat on air before. But we were just discussing what we want to talk about, and then this little side conversation came up completely uh, organic. So we thought it might make a good 10 or 15-minute conversation. Um, basically, what we want to talk about is, like, where research is going in today's age, right? Like, uh, whatever you want to call it, like, millennial or, or our current generation, the aspect in which you technically millennials the aspect in (laughs) which you uh gain information has changed right so back in 
back when I first started with Torno and like at a retail perspective, it was Torno was the place where you learned. You went in there, there, the internet was a thing, but it wasn't like the best tool possible, right? And you could only get all the information you wanted from like these big catalogs. You mm-hmm. would go in, you'd make friends with the watch buddy at, at a shop, and that that's who you, you cut the shit with. Um, you know, the internet has drastically changed in the last two or three years in regards to this. I find myself personally, like when I'm researching anything, like I'm going to go buy power tools. I, I check YouTube. I watch reviews. I like, and it's true for the watch industry as well. Not, not only, and I don't count us in this, like, and we probably do have a big part in that because I know people watch our shows to figure out, um, specifically Tim, Tim is like changed the watch game. So I don't know. Elena does uh marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. For, for Godberg, for Watchbox. So when you click on a hyperlink, when you click on eBay, when you click on Amazon, all these places that, that we cross post and all that stuff, you're dealing with Elena and her team, which does a great job, by the way. My fantastic team, yes. Um, so her perspective on this is is uh, is pretty important too. So I don't know. You kind of you kind of agreed with uh, with the new way of things, right? Yeah. So I mean, shopping habits have changed so much, um, even from when I started ten years ago and was really involved on the primary side of it and and in the retail stores. Um, still touch it, you know, here and there. But I think shopping habits have changed so much and it is all due to the internet and the access and you know I think kids the kids these days as they say it um rely so much on video now I'm personally not somebody that does a lot with video um I'm just like I'm like not great with technology to be quite honest um but I think a lot of people really heavily rely on video. And actually, I was just looking She for... only runs our digital marketplace, yeah. so that's not... Yeah. <laughs> I can do... You know, I do that. Although I was <laughs> just, just looking for a hairdryer and looking at um, videos and stuff. But it's changed so much. And I, th- I think you're right. You know, retail space used to be the place that people went in to be educated and, and feel comfortable. And I'm not sure that's where people feel comfortable. Um, one of the things I think is so unique about the watch industry and the watch world is that I think a lot of knowledge is transferred through kind of the community. So it's still forums, it's still talking to people like us that you know live and breathe and eat and drink and bleed watches. Um, I have a couple big customers that I've watched kind of from the beginning to where they are now. And I think the thing they love about the watches is talking to people and then they get educated and then that dictates how they go and they shop. Um, it's it's just changed so much and, and where you get your knowledge is so different these days. Yeah, I think that's pretty well surmised. So I, I feel like Instagram is a big like advertising driver, maybe not so much education, but a lot obviously Instagram's all, you know, look at me, mm-hmm. you know, that type of, so it's, it's great for advertising. It's great for showing off new product. Even the brands themselves have moved away from like the trade shows of launching stuff to mm-hmm. doing only Instagram ads or only launch campaigns on social media, which only goes to show you that that's the future direction of this. Um, me personally, I've always been a, vir- a visual learner. So, you know, I could read something a hundred times, but if you show me once, I'll never forget. So for me, watching videos on stuff is is amazing. And I know that there's a lot of people that learn that way. And then there's some people that don't, but I don't know too many people that still like need the catalog. Do right? brands even print the catalogs I'm, anymore? They're mostly online now. I mean, event, sometimes we'll get like coffee table books for brands to give to customers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you know, majority of all that information is online and, you know, we're moving in an age where like, let's print less paper. The brands are embracing that also, but 
the trade shows have become less important. Like now, SIHH and Basel are basically just meet and greets, right? And I, it'd be great to go and see everything, and that's super cool. But it used to be that you would go there and, like, place your orders, your allocation for the year. That doesn't really happen anymore. Now it's just a formality. Like, so technology is definitely, you know, uh, embedded itself in this industry. And to your point, like, the conversations in between people, whether it's on forums or in person, because there's tons of these, like, uh, red bar events happening and meeting, you know, fellow collectors, it's it's very important. And it always has been in this space. And I think uh, it always will be just because if you look at how old this hobby is, right, the, the idea of a watch is, is very old. It doesn't feel old. like it feels like it has a promising future now and it's only going to get stronger because now all these what i've seen is all the younger kids that we were worried about five years ago if they were going to get into watches are mm -hmm. totally embracing it yeah so i'm excited to see what happens but as it develops i think it's only going to become more of the online culture yeah and i think you know there's so many places you can go to educate yourself um whether it's watches or anything else you know you can pop on the internet and find a million different places um and people that are talking about watches and you can kind of educate yourself and then it becomes just about the buying experience yeah um, and then and we've talked uh, we won't get into that too much here but we've definitely talked about that in length about you know you guys can uh, go back to our our older shows about knowing who you're buying from, doing the research, making sure you're safe, all that stuff. Or uh, if you want to sound off in the comments and if you want to refresh your video with the woman who's perfect for that conversation, then I would happily have her back, which I'm pretty sure you're going to be back anyways. But there are people maybe commenting. That, I remember yeah. that from when we used to go on air. Absolutely. Anything but good my computer, going on over there? my computer is literally like four percent battery. Uh oh. So um, we can we can get into it a little bit. Sequan's in there apparently. Uh, also a fellow trader uh, handling the chat for us. Uh, Sequan, um, anything that is a result of a sale from this show in the chat needs to be forwarded to me. Thank you. <laughs> Matt Forrester, thank you for signing on. You are always on the show. Uh, BS, couple shout outs here. Ali Alexander, uh, Clive, what's up, man? Kevin S, uh, just, you know what? Just the best people in the world. All the guys that are always on this show. And I feel like, you know, this lends itself to the conversation, um, you know. Absolutely. Uh, people are there. John people Doe. Learn. Hey, John. Patrick. Uh, Ahmad. Shout out to Ahmad. Awesome guy. Um, but, yeah, to Elena's point, this chat, no matter what we're talking about, we could, sort of, we could sit here and look into the camera for 45 minutes blank, and this chat would be going crazy. Because these group of guys log in just to talk shit to each other, which is awesome, on a <laughs> weekly basis. So, anyhow. All right. I think that's the show. Let's pull up the uh, the vote one more time, even though the Elegante 48 is probably going to be killing it. No, oh, well, let me vote again. I just tried. It's, is I it broken? It. Oh, I'm who's, yeah. We're, who's winning the answer that still? We're talking um, 70 to 30. Okay. Look at that. I can't quite see that. I don't know what's wrong with your computer. Ugh. All right. It's that big green area. I personally, uh, just on the outro, I want to say we have uh, reached our, our goal of 81,000 subscribers on this channel. It's amazing. 82 is expected by next week. Um, if you guys go ahead and take care of that, we'd appreciate it. Uh, get right on that. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This yeah. was fun. I was happy to be back. And thanks, everybody. Happy to be back on YouTube. She'll be back. Thanks, guys.